Two friends taking pictures of the rising full moon on a summer night. Two teenage kids doing what teenage kids do. When a stranger with a gun and a death wish changed everything. It was violent, it was senseless, and I will never understand it, I will never accept it. I'm Amy Donaldson, and unfortunately, we're all too familiar with stories about how violence shatters lives. But what we rarely see is how they are rebuilt. In a new podcast, The Letter, we relive tragedy, but only so we can hear the rest of the story. The struggle to reclaim lives, the realities of grief, and the possibilities of forgiveness. I believe in miracles. Sometimes I thought, there are no miracles. Yeah, there are, and this is a big one. Follow The Letter at theletterpodcast.com or wherever you get your podcasts. Inside Sources. Inside Sources. Inside Sources. Where KSL offers Utah deeper insights on the news. Host Boyd Matheson divides rage from reason and elevates the conversation on issues crucial to our community. On KSL News Radio 102.7 FM and 1160 AM. We've obviously been discussing the one-year anniversary of President Joe Biden being sworn in as the 46th president of the United States of America. Yesterday, he held a very long press conference following uh, his speech, marking the one-year anniversary of his inauguration. And as always, we're looking for our inside sources and perspective. And literally minutes after the president finally wrapped up his press conference, we went to one of our inside sources, uh, Olivier Knox uh, from the Washington Post, uh, for a really intriguing conversation, both about the press conference, about the president's first year in office. We're thrilled to be joined now by Olivier Knox from the Washington Post, and uh, he is the Daily 202 and uh, always has such tremendous insight. And as we mark the one-year anniversary of uh, President Biden being sworn into office and all that has taken place over the last 24 to 48 hours, uh, he joins us on the line now. And uh, Olivier, as, as we look at that one year, of course, uh, the president today did almost a, uh, a two, almost two-hour uh, press conference. Uh, as as you watch that and uh, watch that play out, uh, give me some of your initial thoughts, and then we'll kind of dig into some of the specifics. Well, the breadth and width of the questions was pretty remarkable. The questions were everything from, from Ukraine to COVID testing to school closures to inflation to a recent poll calling into question his mental faculties. Questions galore for the president of the United States. A couple things that stood out to me. So we had some nuggets of news, the president saying, He's open to breaking up his Build Back Better legislation, that very large piece of social safety net, climate, and other uh, important democratic priorities, willing to break that up into different pieces in order to secure the, um, the passage of the smaller proposal, passage that has been uh, stalled or blocked by um, Senators Joe Manchin of West Virginia and Kirsten Sinema of Arizona, both Democrats, of course. So that was a piece of news. Uh, he talked at some length about uh, Russian antagonism towards Ukraine. It was pretty notable that he said in his estimation, Vladimir Putin's going to do something. The scale of it uh, is unclear, whether it would be cyber, a cyber attack or some, as he put it, a minor incursion or something like that. But he, he seemed fairly confident that Putin would do something. He suggested that Putin is actually being driven by a, a difficult hand to play on the domestic front, which I thought was uh, was pretty interesting. Um, on the obvious questions, you know, we are, as you say, a year in, and it was going to be, he was always going to get 
retrospective questions. Sure. What did you do right? What did you do wrong? Are you open to a shakeup of your team or your, or, or your priorities? He struck a pretty unapologetic tone on everything from the way he managed COVID to uh, the withdrawal from Afghanistan. Uh, no, no shakeup of the team. Um, did allow that some things could have gotten done better or the rollout of, uh, of widespread testing could have been done better, but played up the aggressive expansion of the vaccination program. So all in all, I mean, I thought it, I thought it was pretty interesting. I was, I was, as a former White House Correspondents Association president, I was delighted that he stayed and took so many questions. He does not like these formal question and answer sessions at all. I think this is just his second solo press conference on U.S. soil. Yeah, uh, and I thought that was that was very interesting, and I I agree. I I applaud the uh, both the stamina and the will uh, to to do that, and I think that's so important that we do have those opportunities for the president and the press to engage uh, in that way. I, I want to go back and dig in just a little bit on a couple of the things that you shared, Olivier. Uh, first on the on the Build Back Better, I I I'm actually encouraged by that because I, I'm one who believes that we really ought to break things into small pieces anyway, rather than these big thousand page bills that. Uh, always seem to be doomed in in the end. Uh, did you catch anything in there in terms of how that might be approached? He was still kind of talking build back better, but then when the questions came, uh, then he kind of went to the fallback of, hey, we'll probably have to break this up into chunks. Yeah, and I think chunks is going to actually mean two chunks. I think I don't think it's I don't think it's going to be a fractured um, legislative approach with 10 different bills. You know, we had reporting in The Washington Post that a lot of Democrats in swing districts facing tough re-election campaigns were pushing the White House to split up the bill into various components that might have a better shot of getting um, getting through, perhaps with some Republican support, as much of a long shot as that, that may seem. This was not multiple chunks to me. This was a couple of chunks. Two. And the, <laughs> the stuff he talked about was $500 billion, uh, notably for climate and energy proposals. Um, Senator Manchin, uh, who, who has been uh, one of the forces stalling this proposal, this legislation overall, has indicated receptiveness to that. And early childhood education as well, uh, also a uh, also a, something that um, Biden thinks Manchin would support. And then, as the president said, um, get what you can now and then come back and fight for the rest. Now, coming back and fighting for the rest doesn't um, – well, shouldn't fill Democrats with um, glorious optimism. Uh, it's been enormously difficult. You know, the lockstep Republican opposition means that Democrats look and sound more like a fractious European coalition government where the Greens are fighting with the new right than they do uh, a unified party. Um, but that was interesting to me. We, we, so the, the White House has now come out in favor of, uh, of further tempering the ambitions of Build Back Better in an effort to get through the Senate. Yeah, I thought that was really interesting. And uh, I also thought you noted this, that uh, uh, he was uh, defensive of his team, protective of his team in terms, in terms of who he had in place. Uh, in uh, your uh, note uh, today, you, you actually mentioned uh, one uh, commentary coming out of The New York Times uh, that suggested a few things that the president could do to kind of get some momentum moving both into the midterms and, and 2024. Uh, but it uh, started with uh, form a new team, starting with a new chief of staff. And the president seemed to kind of dismiss uh, any talk of that today. Uh, do you think that's a smart thing for the president, or do you think that some shakeups uh, might be good rolling into year number two? Well, I, you know, the time for shakeups is after a midterm election, not running up into one, typically. Um, so I don't, I don't think there's much of a price to pay for that at all. And frankly, among Democrats, I have not heard – 
a loud or steady drumbeat calling for replacing folks at the top. And that's usually where that's usually when you get this kind of stuff. You know, Republican senators and members of Congress tweeting in all caps that Ron Klain should resign, that Ali Mallorca should be impeached. That's not the sort of thing that sways yeah. the Biden White House. It's, you know, it's maybe good for getting, getting those retweets and getting the base excited. That's not, that's not what's going to guide policy or principle at 1600 Pennsylvania. But I think that if after the midterms, you might see something more like a reckoning. Mm-hmm. To say nothing of the fact that usually the people who are going to leave an administration, they leave uh, in December or January. Right. You know, because after one year, people never know whether they're cut out for doing this. So any, I think any any changes, I think we should look ahead to, uh, to, to, to after the midterms. We're going to stay with the conversation just a little bit longer. More of my conversation with Olivier Knox, national political correspondent for The Washington Post and anchor of The Daily 202. Stay with us. Much more to come. Inside Sources. During his press conference and speech yesterday, President Biden seemed to acknowledge that his administration faces some challenges right now. But can he still make a case to voters to support Democrats in 2022? And what do Republicans have to offer to the electorate? Let's continue my conversation with The Washington Post's Olivier Knox. One of the things that I thought was very poignant and and I thought that the president delivered very well uh, was not just not just a finger pointing in terms of obstruction in the Senate, uh, but when he got to this idea of what are the Republicans for? Uh, I, I'm one who always believes that you everyone knows what you're against. So let's get over that and let's get to what you are for. Uh, and I also found it really interesting that uh, the press conference by Mitch McConnell uh, on Wednesday as well. And Senator McConnell did not have an answer <laughs> for what they were for or what they were what they would be willing to to engage on. Uh, and I actually think that's an important part, I think, maybe even lead, leading into the midterms where the success the president had, it's going to be a mixed bag as, as it is for any president first time around. Uh, but I think this idea of having a vision of what they're for and the Republicans not being willing to share that vision of what they're for, I think that's an interesting case to make to the American people. Well, it's 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 what happened in 2010 when when Republicans swamped Democrats. So Mitch McConnell can at least point to a recent example of how not having a detailed policy platform uh, actually helps you in an election. And, of course, you remember that in the 2020 presidential election, the GOP didn't bother passing a platform then either. The, the issue here is that the Republicans want the midterms just to be a pure referendum on the first year or the first two years of the Biden presidency. And they want to try to focus voters on the things that they're unhappy about. They're unhappy about inflation. Maybe they're unhappy about the border. Maybe they're unhappy about climate and energy. Um, maybe they're unhappy about foreign policy. Uh, they don't. What they don't want is a choice election. And one of the challenges for Biden, and it's been a challenge that he's tried to to address in the last couple of months, is how do you turn this into more of a more of a choice election than a referendum election? And it's not easy. You know, I wrote yeah. not that long ago. But the one thing that seemed to be uniting Republicans if they win in, in, 20, in November uh, is the idea of revenge, of subpoenaing um, Biden aides and prominent Democrats and maybe impeaching the president himself and the rest of it. Um, we have not seen a policy platform. And there are tensions inside the Republican Party over whether having something like the contract with America 
um, which, which helped them to those massive gains in, in the 1994 midterms. There's some division now between Mitch McConnell, who's basically been saying, no, we will absolutely not give Biden something to run against. And Kevin McCarthy, the top of the of the House, who has um, anointed these task forces on various policy issues that he supposedly expects them to report back and, and be able to put together some kind of a list of, of, of Republican priorities. Very much TBD, though, so far. Yeah. Uh, and then finally, Olivier, before I let you go, and I appreciate your time on uh, some very busy days back there. Uh, as you look at the movement forward, uh, we know in, in politics, it's it's not about uh, what was or even what is. It's always about what's next. Uh, did What did the president do in his press conference as he marks that one year uh, mark in office? What did he do about what's next in terms of calling the American people to something uh, or something that they can grab onto uh, that the president can lead on uh, moving through the 2022 election cycle? Oh, I think he's very clearly going to make the argument that if you look at his at his record on jobs and his record on vaccinations, um, that he has uh, made progress. He can he'd be the first person to tell you it's not sufficient progress. But I think it was pretty clear today that that's what they're going to run on. And, and it's been getting clear over the past couple of months. They are unapologetically running on this on, on his first year record. Um, you know, they they they're one of their bigger challenges is encountering things like the Republican uh, drive to punish Democrats for school closures. Biden repeatedly today pointing out that 95 percent of schools are open um, and that there's sort of a misperception. But I but I, I don't think I mean, I, I did not hear I did not hear anything but a full throated defense of his first year record. And I think what he's telling Democrats to do is don't run from this fight, uh, run into it. Oh, and, and that is always uh, how you win the game, is not uh, uh, shying away, uh, not fighting the last war, uh, but uh, being confident with where, where you stand, not in a defensive crouch, which I think some of the uh, liberal left has been a little frustrated with the president of uh, you got to lean in a little bit more and, and go towards the fight. Uh, so, uh, as always, uh, Olivia Knox, appreciate your perspective and, and insight, uh, really rich content. If you don't uh, follow uh, Olivier Knox, uh, again, it's the Washington Post, the Daily 202. Uh, it is must-read every day. Uh, really gives you the insight and the perspective uh, in a way that's clean, that's clear, uh, and that allows you to, to make some decisions based on real input. So we always appreciate that. Olivia, thanks so much for joining us today. Entirely my pleasure. Again, that was my uh, conversation with Olivier Knox. And uh, literally, it was minutes after the president had wrapped up. In fact, we were uh, wondering if we were going to be able to pull it off. We kept thinking the president was going to be done and we'd have time to record. And the president kept going. Uh, but fortunately, he finished just in the nick of time. So we were able to get Olivier on, get his perspective on all of that. And of course, there's a lot of different things that are going on today as it relates to, OK, now what? Uh, tomorrow will be the beginning of year two. Uh, for the president and his administration, uh, what do they need to do? What comes next? Those are all the big challenges. Uh, it's interesting, the uh, the fallout from uh, the press conference. Of course, uh, we've talked a little bit about what's been going on in terms of the Ukraine, uh, what this did in terms of our the confidence of our allies uh, in uh, dealing with Russia and Vladimir Putin, uh, who seems to be on a very aggressive tack right now. And uh, that's one thing that I think the president, obviously, they had to do some mop up and clean up work uh, with his staff uh, following the uh, the press conference there. Also interesting, uh, the uh, the statements about uh, the next election, uh, which is also getting a little bit of coverage out there and and worrisome to me. And I've, I've mentioned this before. I thought it was interesting 
uh, when the president sort of cast doubt on the legitimacy of the 2022 election. And I think that was just not the right thing. Uh, We've been down that path, and I have called out left and right for saying if we don't win, if our team doesn't win, then it's not legitimate. You shouldn't trust the election. And I thought that was a big mistake for the president to go down that path. Uh, and many people have, have responded. Uh, in fact, uh, Senator Mitt Romney uh, tweeted out not too long ago uh, today. Uh, he said this. He says, it is irresponsible for an American president in any way to delegitimize an election. Without question, our elections are fair and legitimate. This is the same unfortunate path the former president went down. And as we know, it is a dangerous and highly divisive course. It was unacceptable then and it is unacceptable now. Uh, and I appreciate those words from Senator Romney because I, I do think it's true. There there are things that can be tweaked and, and fixed in terms of the elections. A lot of it's on the transparency side, on the back end, in terms of the ballots being counted and how that process all unfolds. Uh, but uh, having that doubt uh, just based on whether you're a Democrat or a Republican uh, undermines trust. And ultimately, that will undermine engagement in the process. Uh, and that's part of the problem. Uh, and so we're going to continue to look at uh, everything the president did yesterday, a review of what he's done over the past year and what the path is forward for the president. Again, beginning of the uh, the end or the end of the beginning for the Biden administration. There are a lot of strong feelings about all of that. One of the interesting questions that uh, the president raised in his press conference was about, well, what are the Republicans for? Senate Minority Leader Mitch McConnell gave a peek at the Republicans' strategy for winning in the midterms. Personally, I don't think it's something that the Republicans should be cheering about it. It lacks leadership, and we'll talk about that coming up next. Stay with us here on KSL News Radio. Breaking news now on the mobile app for KSL News Radio. Sponsored by Any Hour Services. Listen at home or anywhere you go. KSL FM Midvale, KSL Salt Lake City. This is Utah's news station. Two friends taking pictures of the rising full moon on a summer night. Two teenage kids doing what teenage kids do. When a stranger with a gun and a death wish changed everything. It was violent, it was senseless, and I will never understand it, I will never accept it. I'm Amy Donaldson, and unfortunately, we're all too familiar with stories about how violence shatters lives. But what we rarely see is how they are rebuilt. In a new podcast, The Letter, we relive tragedy, but only so we can hear the rest of the story. The struggle to reclaim lives, the realities of grief, and the possibilities of forgiveness. I believe in miracles. Sometimes I thought, there are no miracles. Yeah, there are, and this is a big one. Follow the letter at theletterpodcast.com or wherever you get your podcasts.